Hey everybody, it's John. I wanted to remind you that we do have a Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Over there on Patreon, Mitch and I discuss subjects concerning movies and television and just about anything else we want to talk about. So uh, if you want to come over there, you can subscribe for $2 a month for one episode or $5 a month for every episode at patreon.com forward slash alien minute. Thank you. Welcome to Alien Minute, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. I'm John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we're looking at Minute 94. It begins with Ripley listening to Lambert wail in agony and ends with Ripley running down the corridor listening to Lambert wail in agony more. Yeah. And we're rejoined again today by Mariah E. Gates. How are you doing today, Mariah? I'm very good. Thank you. Thanks for coming back again today, four days in a row. Wow. All right. Well, we're really in the meat. Oh, is that a bad pun? We're really <laughs> in the meat of things here. <laughs> um, yeah. So we're right in the middle of the alien hovering above Lambert and Parker wanting Lambert to get out of the way. Mitch, what do you got for this minute? Well, I wanted to know, you were saying something earlier about the fact that this whole notion of how Lambert dies was something that was constantly being rewritten and reconceived and we wind up actually not even really quite seeing what happens right yeah so i'll I'll just kind of run through there were multiple versions of how this was supposed to go down and i'll kind of run through them first i'll say that the one that we get is the one that's not written down anywhere that i can find It, it wasn't scripted at all as far as i can tell and according to veronica cartwright herself she had no idea it was going to play out this way when she saw the movie so um, we'll start with Dan O'Bannon's script, where the uh, uh, her equivalent character Meliconis, who was the navigator of the Snark, was basically opened like a bottle of beer. Like Ew. he, yeah, he was grabbed by the alien, and the head just popped right off. Uh, exact words from the script: pull, he pulled his head off like a man pulling the head off a chicken. So that would have been a very I, that would have been way too much for Lambert, I think, and maybe anybody else. Um, but then when we get to the the Walter Hill and David Geiler scripts versions, there was a version where Parker just kind of said, if you can't get out of the way, I'm shooting anyway. And he shoots the incinerator and sets uh, Labor on fire. Um, there is uh, then the version, which I couldn't, I couldn't find in any draft I have. I, there's a few drafts. I'm not even sure which draft of the Walter Hill Geiler script I have, but um this is more according to Veronica Cartwright. What she said in a fantastic films interview she did was that she thought the scene was supposed to play out on the day of the shooting where she gets approached by the alien. Um, she's stricken with fear. Parker is able to distract the alien for a moment. She's able to scurry away and she goes into the very locker that Jones was found in and hides in there. And then what she said was... She then dies of fright. So Mm. no literal physical like mauling or anything happens to her. Basically, her fretting nature has finally reached boiling point. (laughs) And that's that's the only way to read it, right? And that just sounds so, you know, when I first read it, I was like, Veronica Cartwright, surely, surely you misunderstood. 
But then there's a later interview. I really only got the blurb. I, I don't remember what the interview's from, but Ridley Scott, I believe in 1999, was asked about this uh, death scene. And people were wondering, well, what did the alien do to her? What happened? Like, how exactly did it kill her? And Ridley Scott's answer was, well, it doesn't really matter because, I mean, you'd pretty much just have a heart attack, wouldn't you? <laughs> so he kind of doubled down on that idea. So now I believe that that might have been the idea at one point. I'm very glad they didn't do that. That would have been, first of all, how would, how would you exactly relay that cinematically? I don't know. And uh, also, awful. it was just been insulting to the character, I think, uh, even more so than maybe you could even read into how she actually dies in the movie. But, right, what do you think about that stuff? <laughs> it sounds horrible. And, like, ugh, it's just horrible. Um, I, I'm glad that they don't sh really show anybody's death other than, like, some stabbings every once in a while. Like, you know, like, Brett gets stabbed and I think Parker there's a real quick cut of some like piece of flesh coming out of him. But for the most part, people, they just die and you can just assume the alien did something terrible to them. Um, and with this in the next moment, you kind of see the aftermath, like in the next minute that we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, but I think it's stronger to just let the audience decide for themselves what the alien has done to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it's sort of like, uh, quasi-related. David Mamet wrote a book about directing, and um, as much as I don't particularly care for David Mamet's films, uh, this one piece of advice that he had in his book I, I really love and try to use in my screenwriting, which is it's uh, better to sort of imply... He, he was using it to talk about sex scenes, but it's like better to imply what's going to happen to let the, the audience members... like have it in their head because it's going to be stronger if the audience can imagine it than if you show it to them. Um, and he was using this for sex scenes, but I think it works for death scenes as well because I feel like whatever I'm imagining is probably going to be way more gruesome than they could ever really do. And then that way it becomes an individual experience for the viewers. Like what you're imagining happened, happened to uh, Lambert is probably not going to be exactly what I imagined, which is not going to be what, you know, John Q. Public imagines, and I think that makes it a stronger, scarier moment. Um, there was a more direct evidence of what might have happened to her and Parker in the script as well. Um, the idea in the novelization as well, there's this idea that they weren't killed immediately. They were taken and dragged into the air ducts, and what Ripley ended up finding was like shards of flesh and pieces of bone and things from him, the alien cramming them into the ducts. And I think even that, not even seeing that, uh, the after effect is too much. Again, I think that that, like you said, Mariah, it's better to imagine it all. And especially considering the implications given to us here about how Lambert dies. Uh, Mitch, do you have any thoughts on on what we see here? Yeah, but before we get there, I just want to say that I think perhaps the other agenda for these five minutes is really to remind us that at the end of the day, this movie is about the alien and Ripley. Yeah. And that may be why in these five minutes we see so much of the alien. We get a new idea about the alien because Parker finally gives up on trying to talk Lambert into moving mm -hmm. and he runs and we get this head turn 
and then the shot of the tail coming up and whacking him and knocking him off his feet, which is a totally new idea about the alien. I think up to this point, I didn't even know it had a tail. So, so that's a, and I think that's good. I mean, I think that becomes one more thing to kind of awe the audience to make us contemplate what this thing is that they're up against, you know? So it's a new idea. And, you know, I'm always one for like, give me a new idea whenever you can. And if it can top what's come before, great. And this certainly does in that respect. Um, the only thing that's sad is that there is this distraction now. I mean, Parker has distracted the alien mm-hmm. and I do kind of wish that Lambert had made a run for it at least, you know? Well, yeah. the, the alien physically refocuses like the body, like uh, I'm just thinking about the blocking of the scene. Yeah, he here. turns around. He turns around and he focuses on Parker and Lambert has every opportunity to take off now. She's got to, right? Do we even get her reaction to what's happening with Parker? I, I don't. I don't think other we, than screams. Other than other than screams, I don't think we do. So it's kind of no. sad. It's not really doing her character much of a service. I can understand when pinned to the wall by this alien that she might not be able to come up with anything to do. But the the idea that her fight or flight instinct is just gone now. I mean, is she just yeah. uh, come on? Uh, yeah, it bothers me. We have ten cuts that follow this in this moment mm-hmm. and this is a movie that obviously we've talked about before is not a film that is heavily cut it's mm-hmm. not overcut yeah so it, that it, was one of the notes i had was like this is one of the most with the cross cutting between all the action it's just it goes on overload here yeah and so in terms of movie logic i almost kind of think to myself well gosh 10 cuts that's that's a lot of new bang 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 for us and you would think one of those would be cut number you know nine would be her running yeah and even if he cuts her off or something it just I don't know trip her with the tail something yeah. there's all kinds of things that could have happened there and, and and you know what we were talking about in an earlier minute about Lambert getting her final moment just getting something I think even that would have been pretty satisfying I think even just the attempt to save herself would have helped a lot. And they just didn't. Again, I almost you almost wonder if they weren't rushed here. This was an improvised scene, and they had to get through apparently, it. and they had to yeah. get through it. So they forgot about Lambert, is what it almost seems like. They also concentrate again on that alien mouth and the lips, yeah. the lips curling back, and its its tongue with the teeth on it that shoots out like a. So so I gotta talk about the multiple mouths for a second. Yeah, I was doing some googling, and. These are things I was unaware of until this weekend when I was looking things up that apparently like there's this whole idea that the multiple mouths are supposed to be very vaginal. And I just, I, that is so, that must be a man's mind went there because I don't think any woman would ever look at that and be like, Oh yeah, that looks like my vagina. Like, no, I've never heard that before. And that's completely I've, absurd. It's I much more a, phallic than yeah, it is. Phallic, vaginal, right? Phallic. I found a bunch of stuff talking about the mouths being vaginal. And I was like, oh, is it because of that, that horror movie um, teeth or like, I don't know, but I was like, guys, what? I, I bet you, if you did a search on some of the people writing this, you'd find that they probably didn't like ghostbusters very much. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm thinking was, that this isn't well thought out film theory. It was, it's it, jumping no. to a conclusion. And I, it, so I, I was like looking sense. at that uh, and I like I paused it on that to be like, okay, let's see, does it? And I'm like, I mean, there's layers because there's multiple mouths, but other than that, it's, it's reaching. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think that there's all those interviews with Giger and different production, Carlo Rambaldi. And I don't remember ever reading anything that, that associates the monster with 
um, with the feminine. I mean, it's all phallic. Well, the ship, yeah. the and, ship, and, they relate to the feminine. Yeah, the ship, but and not the, the alien. Yeah. yeah. People on the internet. That's really yeah. <laughs> what I gotta say there. Um, there's a moment. So getting away from the mouth again. There's a moment with the alien itself that I like. Like most of the shots with the full body alien really don't work for me, especially towards the end when it's getting shot out into space and it just looks really bad. But there's one shot where they hold on it moving (laughs) and you can see, and you can kind of see where the actor um, had studied some Tai tai Chi to get some of that movement into it. (laughs) And you can really see that. And I kind of, I kind of enjoyed that because it was, it was sort of an unexpected way to see an alien moving because you normally expect like lumbering from yeah. monsters, and it's this very fluid, like uh, a machine. It's that mach- that that biomechanical thing. Yeah, I, I, I liked that moment. I've always thought of it as almost a, as a little dance, uh, and and I don't mean to cheapen it that way. I, it just almost looks like he's inviting her, uh, the way he's inviting her to dance and to me that's a very menacing and kind of you know twisted way to look at it but yeah i i see what you mean there's all kinds of ways to look at that it's a very it's very odd movement uh for sure and i've heard you know i've seen this movie in the theater a couple of times with different groups of people i've heard little chuckles there uh some people maybe don't don't see it the same way but i've i've always liked it i've always thought it was really creepy well and coming after that handheld shot it's preceded by that crazy handheld running through the corridor shot so yeah. it's all bumpy and shaky and then you cut to that thing and it's so smooth and graceful mm-hmm. and kind of locked even though it's a it's a lateral it's either a pan or a dolly along with the creature but it's all so smooth and i i think that contrast is fantastic yeah i, I should also i guess mention that the you know the eight frames of the tongue shooting out and the eight frames of the of it penetrating the flesh of what looks like it's i'm my question is where exactly is it hitting him because it looks like it's his head being cradled in the hands of the creature, but he's got a head of hair, and it looks like a bald head being, you know, jammed. I mean, obviously, it's an it, it's a it doesn't. I don't know what part of his body it could possibly be. Well, it would make sense, and now it would only based on the the, the after effect of it. It would make sense that it was somewhere in his midsection because he gets his midsection torn apart. Right. But I don't know how it translates in that moment. Because Harry Dean right. got it right through the patch of the hat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so I was thinking, well, maybe it's his forehead. Um, but it doesn't quite, it, it seems to be awfully, if it is, it's a really tight shot of his forehead. And of course, later on you see him and there's no hole in his head. So no. So it's a really odd, incongruent insert shot. And what you really take from it, obviously, is the violence of it and the meat that gets pulled kind of back out as the, as yeah. the tongue retracts. Yeah. I think this is just another example of, I mean, that's kind of the theme of the week. They were, I feel like they make were it kind of, make it, just make it work. Let's get through these shots. Let's get this done. Um, yeah, because like, again, this was not planned. None of this was planned, you know, from the get-go. It's something they had to put together on the set. So uh, it would make sense that there would be a few incongruent things. Well, this brings us then to the to the other shot in this sequence that is another kind of how do we make it work is this shot of the tail coming up between these legs, these legs that are in tennis shoes and mm-hmm. that are a different color mm-hmm. because they're Brett's legs. Yep. Did you know that, Mariah? I didn't notice that, actually. Yeah. That's 
That's funny. I did notice, though, um, I enjoyed all the shots of Ripley's tennis shoes, um, like, earlier in the film. This is, like, quasi-related. I just went to an exhibit on the rise of sneaker culture, and they talked, they showed, like, moments in pop culture of, like, people wearing sneakers, and they did not show Ripley, and I feel like they did her an injustice because she's really rocking those sneakers. Well, not even from Aliens? No, I mean, they both because aliens they were Reeboks, but in but in this they were that British. Uh, somebody posted on the fan page of of what uh, brand they were. They were a British brand of sneaker. Yeah. Oh I yeah, they're, they're, they had those exact brand of sneakers. And I'm forgetting the name right now at the exhibit, so I was expecting some Ridley sneakers, but you know. Yeah. Well, there's a big article on them in the on the fan page. I know that. Yeah. I didn't remember the the Reeboks and Aliens. I'm going to have to rewatch that. Yeah, Reeboks were whole, huge, though. Yeah, a huge ad 80s. campaign associated with it and everything. Oh, well, the, it's really well, interesting, actually. actually yeah. I remember the ad campaign. We had, like, one... I grew up in a really small town, so we had, like, one um, clothing store, and they had all these mid-'80s, like, ads going all the way to, like, the year 2000 because you get your ads once and then you never replace them. And they had a big one of, of Ripley's, like, Reebok... Yeah. Ad mixed in with like mostly like basketball players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Well, they they recently re-released them um to the public. Made a big deal out of it. We're bringing Ripley's alien shoes back out to the public. You'll be able to buy them yourself. And when they released them, they did not release them in women's sizes. What? Oh no. Well, Are you kidding me? Here's what's painfully obvious to me. I think that our our corporate overlords have t- are really tuned into outrage culture and using it as a marketing tool, and I think that was entirely on purpose. They mm-hmm. knew full well they would get heavy, heavy viral coverage by doing that, and it's exactly what happened. And miraculously, they turned around after they let the Twitter spheres tear them apart for a little while, and they said, oh, hey, sorry about that. We're going to go ahead and release them in women's sizes now. <laughs> and I just uh... think that's so transparent. <laughs> Like, why would you even start from that point? With unless you're just trying to rile some people up and get some some exposure, some bad publicity, which is all we know still good publicity. Still good publicity, yeah. Yeah, Ugh, that's terrible. It's really gross. Yeah, it sounds very much like the company. Yeah, it's that's a whale. That's a total. <laughs> well, then, yeah. So then, if we now that I've called them out on it, they'll probably you know if. The, since everybody listens to the show, they'll probably have a release like, oh, it was a meta comment on Waylon Yutani. I think we should now always think about like being able to call somebody out by simply saying, that's a real Waylon Yutani move. Yeah, that's a real. <laughs> Man. Well, yeah. speaking of gross, so, I mean, they, they, they decided to cut this shot in of the tail coming between the legs. And we want to believe that those are Lambert's legs and it's coming up behind her. And then we have this look of agony on her face. What do we read into that moment, Mariah? I didn't even remember that moment. So I feel like I was already too upset. I don't know. Um, No, I wasn't upset yet because I didn't get upset watching until the... Underwear. The underwear. Um, I don't know how I missed that. I don't know. That's interesting. Well, Veronica Cartwright has said in interviews, hasn't she, that she was raped? I mean, she she said that... You know, because there's this uncertainty, apparently since the movie was released, it's been a topic of discussion where people have thought, what happened to Lambert? Uh, Was she just killed? Uh, Was she figuratively raped? Or was she literally raped? And Veronica Cartwright herself said, well, I always thought I was raped by the alien. 
Now, I don't know what she means by that exactly. Uh, I'm not sure how the alien would, like, know to do that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, now, if if the filmmakers, and I wouldn't put this past Ridley Scott, if the filmmakers told her, like, hey, this is what's happening, I could see them thinking that. Because especially in considering 70s culture, where, like, executives would be like, we don't have enough sex in this movie out of rape. Like, that was pretty much... I've seen some actual notes from, like, studio heads. Yeah. That that's the memo. Yeah. And I'm not, not, not like, even shitty studios. I'm talking, like, the big studios. Those were notes. So, like, I could imagine them telling her that that's the reaction. Or even just her growing, you know, working in that era in the industry, just figuring that's probably what happened to her character because that's what happens to every woman character practically in a horror movie. That's horrible. Well, she didn't <laughs> – so she wasn't privy to anything because she didn't even know this scene was going to play out this way. Mm. So nobody told her. Um, like like we said, the the insert shot of the of the tail so, is, so her is comments, not even her. So her comments are based on her watching the film later? Yep. Apparently mm. it's her own reading of it. Okay. And so I find that interesting. I – I've always, I mean, it's very clear that there's an implication of rape here. Like, I don't think you put a tail between a woman's legs. And her response was, it was, is interesting because Mitchie said she screams and she does, but she also does a a kind of frightened little hop. Like, you know, you might do if something's getting really close to you and your body just kind of convulses. Yeah. Um, which I always thought, wow, that's right on the money how a person might respond to this tail coming between their legs, you know, the fear that they would have. And apparently it wasn't part of the performance because that didn't actually happen on set. So it was, it was like a fortuitous bit of editing there. Mm. But, um, I could see her, you know, reading it that way. I don't know. Maybe she doesn't read, maybe she doesn't read things the same way. You know, maybe she just goes, ah, yeah, I thought I was raped. Well, maybe she never even really gave it thought, but that's what she said in an interview. Well, we've never seen that, that tail being used for anything. No. Uh, it's not like in Aliens where, again, Cameron extrapolates out and suddenly this tail is this thing that has sharp-ended and it penetrates through people's chests and whatever. So maybe, I don't know. I don't know. It's really strange. Um, the one thing we do know is that we don't know what happens to her. Yeah. And we cut from that back to another frantic point-of-view shot of Ripley running through the corridor, uh, almost six seconds of nothing but just running straight down that corridor with screams and wails and horrible sounds. And then we get this kind of faraway shot of Ripley coming towards the camera, holding the gun and, and the cat carrier. Yeah. And that sort of brings us to the end of the minute. Uh, that's all I have for this one. Mariah? That's pretty much all my notes. Other than, I guess, the last note I have is the, the last minute moment you get with Lambert, really, is just her screaming one more time. Yeah, I was going to say one more thing because it, I, maybe I kind of forgot to put it in when I was describing all the different ways that she was killed in other incarnations. I'm sure somebody has already typed this correction on our Facebook page as they're listening to the episode. But there is a version of the script where, um, as we don't see till later, but in the director's cut, we get Ripley entering this cocoon room where she finds Dallas. I read about and, that. Yeah. Yeah. And in that, in the script, that scene, um, Dallas kind of points his head to Brett and says, there's Brett. And then he just says, the alien ate Lambert. And that was another way that she went out. 
again, it's comedy. Almost flippantly, like, oh yeah, she got eaten. Another insulting. Like it, it seems like they were just wanting to put her down in the most insulting way possible. So in a way, I guess Ridley Scott maybe gave her a little bit of all those versions. Maybe the one we get is the best one. I still think they could have done better. Well, we'll talk about the the least. Seems the least disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah, which we'll we'll talk to the final stroke of that pen when we get to the next minute. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, Mariah, once again, can we uh, hear where you are on the internet? Um, anywhere with the words "old film slicker" is going to be me. Hey, by the way, since you made me think of this with old films flicker, mm. have you ever read Theodore Rozak's book Flicker? I have not. Okay, so please read it. To everybody, it's my all-time favorite novel, and it's all about cinema, and it's just, I think you'll just find it to be a pretty extraordinary experience. It has been written down. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, uh, you can find us at AlienMinute.com or follow us at Twitter um, at AlienMinutePod. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or the Google Play. Um, You can also follow us on Instagram, AlienMinutePodcast, and... uh, yeah, also go to the minute uh, moviesbyminutes.com to check out all the other minute by minute podcasts. And that will do it for minute number 94. 94.